Hello and welcome to another episode of our program, Develop. It is our absolute honor and privilege to have your company as we explore together this idea uh, that God commands the blessing, that God wants to command a blessing over your life, over your environments, over your endeavors. He wants to bless you so you can be a blessing. It's not about being self-centered believer, you know, give me, give me, give me. Uh, you know, God is there just simply like a vent, cos, cosmic vending machine that is giving you health, wealth, and good fortune. Uh, that's not the idea. Biblical blessing is, is, is a way where God is determined and longing to be gracious to us, to be able to live a life that is everything He desires for us to live. It's not self-centered life. And we mentioned that there are four uh, conditions to live that blessed life, as well as there are four uh, almost like indicators of what a blessed life look like, because we all have our own interpretation of what it means to be blessed. These four aspects, I believe, help us to uh, perceive, um, uh, you know, the blessed life from a biblical uh, point of view. And we mentioned there uh, two of those aspects in our last two episodes. Number one, delighting in the king. Number two, de deepening uh, the unity amongst believers. And today we're going to look at the disciplined lifestyle. Uh, each one of those things uh, are, are, are a sign that we're living a blessed life as well as uh, they are a condition when we live them out we experience God's blessing in our life. And uh, I don't know about you, but what comes to your mind when you think of the idea of discipline? Uh, having been uh, studying for many, many years, um, I have experienced the good side and the difficult enduring side of, uh, of discipline uh, in, in the study uh, arena. And obviously you would have your own context and your own industry where you experience what it's like to persevere and to be disciplined in a particular area. I recall uh, about a year or so ago, I was in a, uh, in a gathering we call communities of disciples, a small group of people, about four to six people that meet together fortnightly uh, to support one another in their growth uh, so that they be vulnerable enough to grow and they support each other to replicate, to multiply this smaller group. So uh, we want to be simple enough uh, to reproduce and to multiply. Uh, in any case, uh, in, in that particular meeting, I was vulnerably sharing with a group of men that were part of that group that I was really struggling with a, a study project that I was undertaking. Um, and the, the, the project should have been uh, completed a year prior to that meeting. And uh, you'll be glad to hear it's not completed yet, uh, but it's not for lack of trying. And what I shared with uh, my group is that, uh, you know, I was struggling. I was putting insane amount of energy and effort uh, in, 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 in this particular research project, but I was almost like no heavenly flow and it was hard and it was frustrating and it was... Um, you know, it was really hard going. It was like, uh, you know, pushing a truck uphill uh, with those muscles of mine. 
And uh, I remember uh, one of the uh, brothers in that group uh, quote, uh, quote him saying, uh, if it's not easy, uh, do you still think it's God's will? And, uh, and I genuinely believe he was so, uh, so sensitive to my agony at the time. And, and he, was, he was feeling for, for me, given that I was investing uh, four or so years in this particular project with um, you know, the struggles that I had to endure to, to get to the rock bottom of it. So he was sensitive to me. Uh, however, as I reflected uh, on his question, over time, I realized that that's a question uh, that, that um, uh, I think undermines a lot uh, that, uh, that we do in, in our pursuit uh, of our spirituality and life in general. Uh, the question really speaks of God's will is often associated with comfort and ease. Uh, God's plan is easy and smooth. And, uh, and, and, and just like this person, I, I also have embraced this idea growing up that if it's God's will done in God's way, will attract God's resources and, and seemingly I think it's going to be easy. Uh, yet, if you and I would explore the scripture, we realize ease and comfort is not necessarily associated with God's plan. In fact, Jesus didn't have an easy time uh, to accomplish the greatest plan that had ever been conceptualized, the salvation of humanity. And God's people throughout all ages have been given amazing assignments. You imagine the assignment of Moses or Abraham. And uh, we couldn't put our hands on our hearts and say, you know, um, if it was God's will, it was easy. And, and almost we, 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 we conclude that since it's hard, it must not be God's will. So I'm not going to invest the effort in it. And we miss out on God's best when we adopt this idea uh, that, 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 that discipline is, is not really um, uh, part of our God-given assignment on earth. And I wonder why or where uh, we, we have adopted this concept of, of no discipline. Discipline is not great. We don't want to really subscribe to this. And I think there are at least three reason, uh, reasons that come to my mind that um, impede us from pursuing uh, projects that require discipline and energy and endurance and hard work. The first one is that by nature, I think we are ease seekers. Like if you, if you consider our dream uh, lifestyle, we want maximum uh, pleasure and minimum pain, don't we? We want maximum pleasure and minimum pain. Look, I, I don't know about uh, Solomon when God uh, you know, asked him, what do you want? But you know, if he had asked me, I'd say, you know, uh, find me a, a good, nice uh, house on the beach. Uh, I don't have to work anymore. You know, walk on the beach and have a, uh, you know, coffee in the morning, nice breakfast, sit on the beach and read my book. Uh, you know, nice life, Lord, okay? But we are ease seekers. We believe that we are entitled to comfort. And if God was going to bless us, the blessed life is an easy life. But uh, as it's been well said, if you want to have an easy life, go sell ice cream. Uh, even though my wife reminds me, if you sell ice cream, you probably have a hard life as well in, in summer when, when it, when it uh, you know, melts in your customers' hands. But we seek ease. 
And that's why we, we, we seem to uh, resist the idea of working hard in a disciplined way. Uh, secondly, we, we at times feel uh, a bit irresponsible. We, we don't want to, to be considered, um, uh, you, you know, we're part of achieving something. So, you know, why, why doesn't God do it? You know, let go and let God. You know, if I really believe uh, I'm going to receive the grace of God and, I, and, and it's legalistic to put effort, you know, I'm, I'm just going to believe in God. You know, uh, it's almost like we, 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 we want to pray rather than study, but get A pluses in our exam. Uh, we, we, we wanted to, you know, to uh, pay economy but fly first class. We feel like we don't want to participate in the process of achieving anything. We want God to do it for us. And it feels and sounds super spiritual, but maybe you and I know that it's not healthy. And I think another reason is that uh, sometimes we can adopt a lazy lifestyle and we imagine laziness to be a virtue. But you look in the scripture and laziness is not biblical. We notice uh, that um, in, in uh, Proverbs uh, chapter 13 and verse 4, and again, it gets repeated in, in Proverbs 15, 19, 21, 25, and again in Romans 12, 11, uh, that laziness is not in, in any way commended by God or rewarded by God. If God is not interested in the idea of laziness, He's not going to reward it in practicality. Look what He says. He says, lazy people want much. Isn't it funny? Like you'd imagine lazy people don't want anything. But I, I find this actually humorous. Lazy people want much, you know, but get little. But those who work hard will prosper. It's, it's so straightforward that laziness is not commended in the scripture. I want to say to you, don't imagine a blessed life or a blessed lifestyle to be a lazy lifestyle where I, I do little and I gain much. The scripture makes it utterly clear that you want much, but get little. It's the absolute opposite uh, uh, concept is that you want much, but get little if you are not going to work hard. Laziness isn't a virtue. Laziness isn't a virtue and God doesn't reward it. So does God not love us by expecting us to work hard? Like it doesn't make sense to me, Peter. Uh, I say the reality on, on this side of eternity that God has given us capabilities and qualities and assignments and He wants us to engage in this project, in this assignment that requires our participation. If you watch a game of sport, and you're supposedly employed as a player, but you watch a game sport from the stand and your team wins. You have a joy, but it's not the same. I, I, I can show you that uh, we in Australia here, we have a particular sport called uh, AFL, Australian uh, football, which is a little weird from, uh, you know, the ball is, is shaped a little bit like a banana compared to uh, around uh, football that 
I'm familiar with growing up. But there are times some uh, players miss out on playing on the grand final stage. They don't get the privilege of joining their friends, maybe because of an injury, maybe because of form they, they had to be dropped, or maybe too many good players to have to select some. And, uh, and you see them at the end of their team winning the premiership and lifting the cup. Those uh, on the side type of players usually run and embrace their teammates and celebrating. But I have more than often noticed these players on the side at times wiping a tear. They say it's not the same. They don't want the premiership medal if they haven't uh, participated uh, in, in the process. There is something of God's thumb uh, print over our life that wants us to participate in, in His plans in the world that, that requires hard work, that requires our investment. And that's why Paul mentions to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Physical training is good. Okay. Uh, not many of us want to hear this. Physical training is good. It's not... It's not a dismissive statement. I don't think Paul is saying, oh, you know, I just want to bring an analogy. So, but he's saying it's a good thing that you, you practice and, and, uh, and that you train and you develop and you're disciplined. Uh, the word uh, here, physical training, um, in the original, it speaks of the gymnasium or gymnastic where it requires a person to invest the effort. It requires the person to be disciplined uh, on a regular pay basis, nobody can train for you, can they? Nobody can become fit on your behalf and pass it on, um, you know, by a touch. You have to uh, train yourself and be disciplined. And he spoke, continues to say, but training for godliness is much better. And um, another translation would say, train yourself for godliness. That means exercise yourself uh, to be godly. And it's the same idea of training that resembles both physical and spiritual. It's like you put hard work in your physical fitness, uh, whether that's diet and exercise, it requires the same thing to live a godly life. He didn't say, oh, you know, physical training is good. It makes you fit physically, but godliness, it just happens supernaturally. <laughs> that would be nice. But he's saying, you need to train yourself. To Timothy, look, he, he's, he's a minister. Uh, Paul, one of Paul's favorite helpers. He calls him my genuine son in the faith. You know, uh, and, and, and he tells him, no, no, you too need to exercise. There will be no time, Timothy, where you're going to be too, too, uh, you know, too developed for uh, uh, godly uh, training. And he says, uh, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Exercise, exercise, training has benefits. It's a condition for living the blessed life. You know, uh, the, the, the idea of, of receiving God's benefits, of experiencing God's favor is not divorced from our participation in a disciplined lifestyle. Uh, exercise of an athlete uh, requires an uh, eating plan as well as a, a training plan. But you can't tell me an athlete is going to compete in the Olympics and they haven't exercised over a prolonged period of time. Uh, we, 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 we get disciplined daily, 
not in a day. So I'm going to go to the Olympics. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to consecrate a week of really hard work. Uh, you're not going to get in. And if you get in, you make a fool out of yourself because training is daily and training is essential to get to the place where you want to get. Godliness is, is the idea of us uh, living out our future self. I love what John Stott in his commentary in the book of First Timothy writes. He says, Godliness is to anticipate on earth the God-centered life of heaven. Isn't that poetry? Godliness is to anticipate on earth the God-centered life of heaven. Like you're living your future life which is God-centered, God-dominated, God-controlled, selfless life on earth. You anticipate it, by the way, you live it. Uh, I love the fact that godliness is mentioned nine times in 1 Timothy out of 15 times in the entire of the New Testament. 13 times in the pastoral epistles, nine times in 1 Timothy. Paul was serious in, in, in asking and inviting and urging Timothy to live out, to train himself, to exercise himself into godliness. It tells me it's serious. Disciplined lifestyle towards godliness is serious. But godliness, and here is in chapter 6, he mentions it again. He brings back the thread that he communicated about in chapter 4. He wasn't done yet. It says, godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness uh, with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing and uh, the idea of clothing uh, can also have the concept of shelter. So if we have food, housing and clothing, we will be content with that. So, so here Paul brings the thread uh, the, the thread of godliness and adds to it the idea of contentment. At the time uh, where Paul is written this to Timothy, there were false teachers in the church. And those false teachers were utilizing the preaching of godliness as an opportunity for making money. So Paul is playing on the words and saying to them, hey, you got it right, friends. Yes, godliness is a great gain. Godliness is not just gain, it's a great gain. But hey, not any type of godliness that you're using it for your own self-promotion uh, and, and, uh, and self-agenda. No, it's godliness with contentment. Well, you're not using godliness as an opportunity to lavish yourself, elevate yourself and, uh, and, and trick people to, 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 uh, to, to have your own um, uh, desires and financial wealth created as a result of that. For we brought nothing into the world. He's saying, listen, contentment is an incredible concept that the man of God, which is Timothy, need to adopt. Because think about it, Timothy. You have brought nothing in the world. You're going to live with nothing after you die. So why accumulate stuff that you don't need just for the heck of it? And then he goes on and says, those who want to get rich, fall into temptation and a trap and many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And I want to share with you that Paul is not against financial 
capacities and capital. Uh, he's, he's not saying, you know, uh, even, even the scripture doesn't say money is, uh, you know, opposition to God. It says the love of money is the problem. It really, it's that word, who want to, who want to. It's the idea of desires. You see, our desires determine our actions. Our desires determine our decisions. Our desires push us to live a particular type of life. And if those desires are, uh, uh, you know, toward riches, what we're really saying is my good life is based on riches. I want to be that type of person because that's happiness. That's the best possible life that I could live. And Paul is saying, those people who are pursuing that uh, lifestyle, that dream, who are, who are moved by that type of possibility, they, they have many foolish uh, means it cannot be foolish here. It, it means it cannot be justified rationally and harmful. It's not going to liberate them. Uh, you know, we think oh, if I get this, I'm going to be, I'm going to be free. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be the best possible version of myself. It's saying it's actually going to be harmful and ruin them. It's going to be a bad ending. So contentment which basically comes from the idea in the literature at the time of being self-sufficient, independent of circumstances, self-sufficiency, independent of circumstances. Like I'm not implicated by my circumstances. I am I'm okay the way it is. Obviously in our, uh, in our Christian um, uh, approach and perspective, it's being uh, you know, uh, spirit sufficient. It's not me self-sufficient, but it actually is about contrasting uh, contentment, a lifestyle uh, that, that in place of materialism and covetousness. It's not just living for more and more and more. It's like the proverb says that people that desire more never have enough, right? So he's saying, be emotionally content that you're not pursuing an elusive future that gives you the impression you're going to be happy. If only I get that done. If only I achieve that. If only I get that. Whatever that is. In this case, it's riches. But saying, don't live with an elusive um, uh, desire for something. Uh, be content where you are because you're content with who God is in and for you. And then he, he finishes it off by giving him further elaboration on the idea of discipline. He says, but you, man of God, isn't this sweet? He's saying, I know your heart, Timothy. You're a man of God. Uh, it's the same uh, phrase that was used of God's people in the Old Testament, you know, heroes of the faith. It's saying, I have you in the highest esteem, Timothy. I know who you are and how God sees you. But he says, even though that's the case, even though you are highly esteemed in my mind, that doesn't prevent you from doing uh, the right thing, being disciplined in your lifestyle. Not everything goes, Timothy. He says, flee from all this. Uh, which is youthful lust and desires and passions and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance and gentleness. Fight, Timothy. Fight the good fight of the faith. You have to. How can you fight if you're not being disciplined? He says that the soldier uh, leaves every other entanglement in life because he's focused wholeheartedly on that battle on that role, take hold of eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many 
witnesses. What Paul is saying to Timothy, flee from all evil, Timothy, but pursue godliness. You have to do something. It's an order verb, Timothy. It's an urge. It's a command. It's flee and pursue. He says, deny yourself, but follow Christ's example. Take off. You know, Paul does that all the time in his epistles. Take off the old self. Put on the new self. It is the discipline of a daily interaction and collaboration with God's Spirit. I love uh, what Stott writes. He says, we are simply to run from evil as we run from danger. We all know how to run from danger, don't we? And to run after goodness as we run after success. We are simply to run from evil as we run from danger and to run after goodness as we run after success. That's the type of discipline and deliberation and emphasis and oomph that we invest in this type of life that honors God. So a disciplined lifestyle ought to uh, encounter our physical uh, discipline where we, where we do the right thing with the tool, with the body, with the capabilities that God has given us. It's not going over the top that we, all that we value is our, our physical uh, uh, lifestyle, but it's actually being a good steward with what God is, is given us, that we will be disciplined uh, physically, that we will be disciplined emotionally, where, where we're not pursuing an elusive future that's going to make us happy, but say, Lord, I, I trust that in the midst of this season, good, bad, or ugly, I trust that I am fully catered for. I am I don't need anything. You are my shepherd. Allow me to feel content, Lord, so that I'm not running like crazy trying to accomplish something that would eventually, uh, you know, seemingly going to make me happy. And spiritually, I need to be disciplined to train myself, to exercise myself into godliness. So how do we do that? I want to give you three quick steps. Make a decision. Make a decision that I will do what is right not what feels right. That to me, that's the first overarching uh, step that enables the other steps to come to fruition. Uh, Lord, uh, enable me by, by your spirit to do what is right, not what feels right. And, and then uh, every time you have to discipline yourself, every time you have to spend time with God, every time you have to invest in someone else, every time you have to fast, every time you have to attend to, to a, a, a particular meeting, every time you have to um, say no to something in your life and say yes to something else, say I don't care how I feel. It's not about how I feel. It's about doing the right thing regardless of how I feel. The second thing is be destiny, destiny, destiny oriented. That means I won't give up because progress takes time. Look, don't just think I'm going to be disciplined. 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 It's, it's going to, it's, you got to be aware of what that going to look like. You know, Paul says, uh, you know, train yourself into godliness because there are some benefits. There are some future to that in this life. Hey, but if you don't get it exactly, understand that it has some benefits in the life to come. Just be destiny oriented, Timothy. And to you and me, we need to be aware that our disciplined lifestyle has a goal in mind that is not going to happen 
in no time. It takes time. So I'm going to remain focused on the destiny, on the goal, on the, on the end in view that enables me to collaborate with God's spirit to remain disciplined. Finally, be determined. Determine, I will work hard. That's a determination. Even when you're tired and, and there are seasons where, where you're really unable to give and you need to take time out. There are seasons where you've been overwhelmed and exhausted. You have been maybe burnt out or you have given too much that you don't have anything in the emotional uh, tank. So, so there are times and there are exceptions to the rule, but there gotta be a determination that when I'm okay, I'm gonna work hard. I'm not gonna settle for what's comfortable. I'm not going to settle for what's comfortable. I'm going to work hard because I can see the blessing and the benefit in the future. What is one thing? What is one thing you can commit to train yourself to be disciplined? What is one thing you can commit to train yourself to be disciplined? discipline. The reality is unless we, 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 the, the rubber hits the road, we go nowhere. Unless we, uh, we, we uh, apply our, our conviction to our actions, we remain very aware and informed cognitively, but very weak in our uh, you know, implementation of what God has in mind for us. The life that God wants for you is a blessed life. That blessed life doesn't happen by God just throwing things that you imagine a parent as saying to the kids, don't worry about studying. I'm just going to pay for you to get a certificate. Uh, imagine that. I I imagine being so spoiled that you don't have an understanding of, 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 of the way God created you to make a difference, not to live life pampered, easy, comfortable. That's not the blessed life. God desires for you to be disciplined physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And He's given us the Holy Spirit to enable us to do that because it has the benefit in this life and in the life to come. We are so grateful for your company with us. We pray God's awesome blessing and favor and goodness to surround you as with a shield. And in our next episode, we're going to look at the last of those four indicators and conditions and, and to do with proclaiming and declaring God's promises over your environment and your ministry. Until then, be utterly blessed in Jesus. Jesus.